In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, today we're going to continue studying um, the Ten Commandments. Uh, so far, we last time we stopped, we were um, still speaking about the Fourth Commandment. Um, does anyone remember what the commandments are that we've studied so far? What's the first commandment? Sorry? I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Okay? And then the second one, no idols. Like, do not make any graven images, right, or carved images of God. Okay? And then the third... That's the fourth. D yeah, do not take the the do not take God's name in vain. Okay, and we started speaking about the Sabbath and how God instituted the Sabbath and what is the spiritual understanding. So we're going to continue here, just the last few slides of the fourth commandment before we move on to the fifth commandment. Okay, so what is the spiritual understanding um, of the Sabbath? says, we should not understand the commandment of the Sabbath in a literal way. Okay, we should not understand it in the literal way, for the letter kills. And when, 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 when St. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and he says that the letter kills and that we should focus on the spirit and not the letter, what does he mean? He doesn't mean that we ignore the letter. Like, he doesn't mean that the actual commandment itself is, 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 is just uh, a symbol for something else. But he's saying understand why God gave the commandment. What is it that God was trying to accomplish? You know, like in the legal system, uh, there's loopholes, right? Loopholes are things that the people who made the laws didn't intend for you to do, right? Technically, as the law is written, you can do them because human language is imprecise and human language cannot describe every possible contingency or every possible way that you can get around something. Right, it's very hard to do. So that's why there's so many laws, right? Because yeah, and that's why the laws are so long, because they try to think of every possible way this law could be circumvented or abused, so to prevent it from happening. Because you know, in our country, um, the laws are, for for to a large extent, it's like well, if it's written, it's written. But if it's not written, then there's no law for it, right? So that's why there's loopholes. Like people get around paying taxes, people get around doing other things because they're technically following the law, but they're not following the real spirit of the law. They're not following what the law intended, right? And the Jews were doing the same thing when it came to the Sabbath. Um, for instance, they defined for themselves how is it that we can avoid certain parts of the restrictions of the Sabbath. Like, for instance, you are not supposed to travel a certain distance away from your home on the Sabbath. Again, what is the reason for that? Well, because you're not supposed to work. And why is it that you're not supposed to work? It's because on that day, you're supposed to dedicate it to God. It's a day of worship, not a day of your secular work. So the people thought, well, if I can't leave my house, well, then what, is, what defines my house? What is my quote-unquote house, right? Um, is my house is where I keep my things, right? So maybe I'm going to take some of my things and put it in other places and then consider that those places are part of my house. Some people would even go to the extent that they would take the door frame of their house with them whenever they traveled. So they never actually pass through the door frame. So they're technically in their house. <laughs> it's funny. This is all in the desire to follow the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Okay. So when we in the New Testament, when we read the law, 
We understand it according to the spirit. And this is true for a lot of things. Like a lot of people would come with questions, like very, very like precise questions about what does God say about this? What does God say about that? God judges the heart, right? Not everything has a very specific answer, right? Maybe one person does something with a good spirit and another person does the same thing but with a bad spirit, right? It's not the action itself necessarily that's going to determine how God sees it, but the intention of the heart when the person is doing it, right? Like I'll give you an example. Like, okay, we say that we're supposed to take off our shoes when we come to take communion. There's a difference between a person who purposely keeps their shoes on as like a direct rebellion against the church versus a person who has their shoes on because they didn't know or they forgot to take their shoes off, right? The action is the same, but the, but, but the spirit is different. Right? One is the spirit of rebellion and the other is just forgetfulness or, or ignorance. Right? So whenever we study the commandments of God, we have to understand them. Like what is God intending by this? Okay? Again, I'm not trying to downplay what the law says or just say, well, we can just interpret it creatively however we want. But again, what was in the mind of God whenever he gave us these commandments? Okay, so here's some examples. This is actually some examples that His Holiness Pope Shenouda gave uh, about like, ex- like talking about what type of work in the, it would be considered lawful to be done on the Sabbath, right? That would still be uh, in line with God's purpose for the Sabbath. Okay, again, God's purpose for the Sabbath is to give us the time to, 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 to dedicate to worshiping Him. Okay. So he says, suppose a physician keeps the Lord's day holy by not working on it. And one Sunday, a person who is ill and about to die calls for his help. Would he say, no, let him die, that the Lord's day may not be broken? Right? He's giving this as an example. If we were to, to treat this situation like the literal Jews would in the Old Testament, they would say, no, let the man die, you know, because I cannot work, right? Whereas, what is the spirit of the Sabbath? The spirit of the Sabbath is don't go use the day for your own pursuits, like for your own things, for your own things that are not even important, just your own desires, your own recreation. That's the, the purpose of the, of the law. But he's not saying don't, don't save someone's life on the Sabbath. And actually, this exact situation came where the Pharisees tried to trap Christ um, to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And he healed on the Sabbath, Right? And, and, and Christ gave the example. It's like, how many of you, if your donkey falls in a pit on the Sabbath, would you not lift it up? Like, it's an emergency. There's an emergency situation that is happening. Would you not do it, right, on the Sabbath? That, he, in, the, in, the, in the mind of Christ, that was not breaking the Sabbath. In the mind of the Jews, because they looked at everything so literally, that was breaking the Sabbath. But even while they were doing those things, breaking the Sabbath, like keeping the Sabbath in those very literal ways, the essence of the Sabbath, the spirit of the Sabbath, they were not keeping, right? Um, so he says, in this case, the physician has no mercy, right? If, if the physician says, no, I will not, you know, tend to this sick person on the Sabbath day, right? Um, but this does not mean then that the physician should open his clinic every day, including Sundays. It should not be a regular thing. It should not be something that's just part of my schedule that I'm going to work every day of the week. I'm going to work on the Lord's Day. No, but if there is an emergency situation that comes up, then this is something that is lawful, something that can be done, right? So there are expe- there are exceptions, right? There are exceptions. For instance, if a surgeon 
says, well, I don't have to perform elective surgeries on the day of the Lord, on Sunday, because on that day, this is not essential. You know, this is easy to be postponed to another day. But if a person has a life-giving illness or life, life-threatening illness, then yeah, okay, maybe I can do it. So the, the idea here is the spirit and also different people might have different opinions about what would be considered, you know, like a lawful thing to be done or not, right? But but the, 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 the thing that's the most important is what is in my mind as I do it, right? What is in my mind as I'm considering the decisions that I'm making? Am I considering that the Lord's day is an important day? Am I considering that the day of the Lord is a day dedicated to him? And if I do something other than that, I'm taking that into account and I'm just making that decision, well, this is an exception. I need to do this as an exception as opposed to it being the rule. As opposed to it being just the thing that I do on a regular basis, it's part of my life, I ignore the day um, of the Lord. Another example would be a house is on fire on Sunday. Would we say this is the Lord's day, we leave it to burn today and put out the fire on Monday? No, again, it's the same idea. That's a, an exceptional emergency situation. The same can be said in case of a person who is drowning or a case which needs urgent help or a merciful work that cannot be postponed. But... The Sabbath is a day of worship and spiritual teachings. Because again, in Leviticus 23, he said, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Okay? So again, a spiritual understanding. How do we understand how we apply the Sabbath? In Isaiah 66, it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Again, he's mentioning here the Sabbath as days of worship. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So in the book of Acts, when the apostles and St. Paul would go to preach in different places, he would always go on the Sabbath day to the synagogue where he would find the Jews there worshiping. And he would go and preach to them there. In Acts 18, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So this was a day that was held holy to the Lord um, then. And on Sunday, this is the day that we have liturgy. We spoke last time, I believe we touched on the idea of when the Sabbath day turned from being Saturday to being Sunday. Okay, And here are some uh, references Okay, in the book of Acts where liturgies were being held on Sunday. So it says in Acts 20, verse 7, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Okay, So again, breaking bread, when it says breaking bread, it doesn't just mean eating. It means having Eucharist. Okay, So as part of a liturgical service, Okay, the first day of the week is Sunday. There's more than one place where in, this, in, the, in the book of Acts where it mentions that something is happening on, the, on a Sunday. And part of this actually, this is where, this is the passage where um, St. Paul gave a very long sermon, very long sermon that continued until midnight, okay? And the man whose name was Eutychus, he fell asleep during the sermon, just like what happens today. Um, fell asleep during the sermon, but he fell out of like his window and he fell to the ground dead. And then St. Paul went and he, uh, he, he, he revived him. So there was a liturgy, there was a Eucharist, there was a very long sermon, all on Sunday, okay? The Lord's day is not a day for laziness and sluggishness or simply physical rest, but a day for worship, contemplations, spiritual meetings and readings, not just stopping worldly works. And so that's the thing, too, is, and that's one of the differences, is that the Sabbath in the Jewish mind in the Old Testament, they took it like as though God is saying that work is evil, like just don't do work, okay? 
But again, that wasn't the spirit of the message. The spirit was, don't be distracted by your work so that you can use that time for something else. So it is not just a day where we rest. It's not just, you know, like when we think of the weekend, the weekend primarily in our mind is a day where we don't go to work, at least for people who aren't priests. You don't go to work, right? So because during the week, you have work every day, and then the weekend is a day of rest. It's a day of physical rest, okay? Because you need the physical rest. But the, 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 the Sabbath day is not just a day of physical rest. It's a day of spiritual rest. And spiritual rest and physical rest are like almost opposites, okay? The person who indulges in physical rest to, to an extreme, it brings laziness and idleness and temptation, more sin, you know, a person who is just resting all the time, a person who is idle, a person who doesn't have structure in their life, that person can easily fall into sin. So physical rest can actually have the opposite effect. When we read about when King David uh, fell into sin with Bathsheba, how did it begin? The, the Bible says that he was up on the roof of his house resting, okay? And it was a time where all the kings go out to war, but he was not out to war with his, with his armies, he was stayed behind and was resting. And that's when he saw the woman Bathsheba and he desired her. And all of the things that happened from that started from that moment, okay, of him falling into sin with her. So the physical rest, even though it is essential and necessary for us, of course, but in an extreme amount, it actually has the reverse effect. The spiritual rest, how is it that you rest in your spirit? Well, we always talk about how the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. Right? The thing that indulges the flesh harms the spirit, and the thing that grows the spirit is usually not very comfortable for the flesh. Right? That's why in the monasteries, you know, if you go to the monastery, they wake up at 4 a.m. and they start praying the midnight praises, and they just keep going, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. And if they have a liturgy in the morning, maybe they'll go from 4 a.m. to, let's say, 8 a.m. with a liturgy and everything. And they don't have chairs. You know, they're standing the whole time, the entire time. Um, I remember I read a book by this Catholic monk who came to Egypt to visit the, the Coptic monasteries, and he recorded what his like experience was, and he was shocked at how little rest they give themselves and how there's no place to sit, and they're standing for hours on end. You know, that actually brings a spiritual rest the communion with God, the time where we are committed to God, not distracted by any worldly thing. You know, I, I remember, like, to this principle, I remember one time, a long time ago, before I was a priest, and I was visiting the monastery. And so I was helping one of the monks in his service. So, you know, in the monastery, every monk has a service that they're assigned um, to do. So this monk, his service was, like, in the fields. Like, he would go and, um, and he, would, he would plant things in the field and, and, and work, like, kind of farming. So I was with him, and I am really bad at farming, and I would just be watching him, what he's doing, and trying to keep up with him to see if I could do anything. So he was there, he was, he was nailing things in the ground, and he was very, like, filthy, completely filthy, right? Like, like, in a state that you would, like, not ever want anyone to see you, okay? And then, at 5 p.m. in the monastery, the bell rings, and all of the monks stop what they're doing, and they go to the prayer, Okay, in the evening. So I, in my mind, I, like, I was filthy too. And I thought to myself, like, this isn't the status I want to be in whenever I go to the prayer, right? So I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I should go wash up first, but the, it's only 30 minutes, so 
If you go do anything else, you're going to miss it. So I started to see this monk immediately. When the bell rang, immediately, he stopped what he was doing. And he went directly to the church in the mud, in everything that he was. He stood there and he prayed for the 30 minutes, right? And, and you could see all of the monks in the entire monastery, wherever they were, whatever they were doing, everyone is just coming to the church at the time when the bell rings in order to pray. So it gives you this, 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 um, like th th this understanding of what is the Sabbath, meaning there is a time for work and there is a time for God. And if you have an imbalance in that, then you will not be successful, right, in your life. You will not feel fulfilled and contented in your life because human beings need both. You know, St. Anthony, um, he, he tried the opposite way. St. Anthony said he's going to commit himself to prayer and do nothing but prayer nonstop and not do anything else but pray. And he found himself unable to do it. It was too difficult for him to do. And actually, there was an angel that appeared to him and told him, what you are doing is not right. Like, you know, the monks, they need to pray and they need to work because you cannot commit yourself to only praying and that's it. And he taught him to make baskets. He says, go pray and then go and make baskets, like do something with your hands so that you can work. And this was the model that now all monasteries really in the world follow. There is a time for prayer and there's a time for work, but there is work. There is not just idleness. There's not just sitting around not doing anything. Uh, you know, the monks wake up at 4 a.m. every single day of the year. The only day that they don't wake up at 4 a.m. is on the Feast of the Resurrection. They get one day break where they wake up at like 9 a.m. <laughs> so so they're, they're very disciplined. They're, they're disciplining their body. And this results in the spiritual rest, right? The spiritual rest. The, the, the being filled with the Holy Spirit, committing ourselves to God. So, so we shouldn't confuse when we hear about rest. Resting, it doesn't mean idleness. It doesn't mean doing nothing. It means committing that day to God to gain the spiritual rest, which oftentimes requires physical effort, right? Our church is very much an ascetic church. There's a lot of like physical effort that we put. Our liturgies are long. We have many prayers. Um, all throughout the year, we have fastings. There's physical effort that we're putting in order to attain the spiritual goals that we want. Okay, okay the fifth commandment. Okay, so remember we said the commandments are broken down into two groups. Okay, what are the two groups? So the first four are our our requirements toward God, and then the last six are our requirements toward one another, okay? And when the scribe asked the Lord Jesus Christ what is the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So he linked these two sets of commandments, that even though one of them is directed toward God and the other one is directed toward our neighbor, but in the eyes of God, both of these things are connected because we are the body of Christ. You know, and he even said, whatever, like when we're serving one another, he says, whatever you have done to the least of these, you have done it to me. Meaning, when we serve other people, even the least of people, it is like serving Christ himself. Okay? So when we think of these commandments, what, what our obligation is to each other, think of it as just as important as our obligation toward God. So, for instance, here we're going to read about honor your father and mother. Of course, our father and our mother are not God. But he's saying our commitment to, to honor our father and mother is just as spiritual, 
just as necessary, just as, as godly as any of the others, right? As in like, do not make any carved images. Uh, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. These are just as spiritual as the others. And these, if we break these, they are just as damaging to our spiritual life as the others. Because again, sometimes we can compartmentalize our religious life and say religious life is about the church. And if you want to think about a lot of the, the first four, it's a lot about like formal religion that you think about. Like, yes, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to worship God and only worship God. I am, I'm going to um, not make idols. Like they're religious things, right? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. They're all like God-focused. The other ones are not as much in our mind religious things. They are more social things. They're things of how we deal with one another. But what God is saying here is do not differentiate between these two, right? Don't differentiate between these two things. The way that we serve others and we deal with other people is a direct religious activity. It's a spiritual activity, how I deal with and how I serve other people. So here, the first of the, of the second group, which is the fifth commandment, says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Okay. So in its literal meaning, when you read it literally, right, kind of before it kind of took on a, a larger dimension in our mind in the New Testament and the fullness of like Christianity, it's meant to honor your natural parents, right? So your, your father and your mother. Um, and eventually people understood it as not just honoring the father and the mother literally, but it's also honoring other relatives right it's also honoring those in the spiritual fatherhood it's also honoring those people in authority over us it's also honoring um anyone who shows us kindness and love like anyone who we are kind of receiving service from them we are they are they're caretakers of us they are helping us or they are elders or they are they are deserving of respect it's kind of saying anyone who is due honor give them the honor that they are due okay not just the natural father and mother. Um, in uh, Ephesians 6.2, it says what? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Meaning all of the other commandments, they were just straight commandments, like that you should do this, do this, don't do this, and so on. Whereas this one, there is a, a reward that God tacks onto it. He says that your days may be, long, uh, may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Meaning that, that God really emphasizes this commandment because there is a reward directly attached to it. And it also means that if you don't honor your father and mother, then the opposite is going to happen, right? That you will not have many days upon the land. Now, one thing to understand about the idea of, of that your life may be long and have many days, okay? In the Old Testament, the, the people did not have the spiritual understanding that we have in the New Testament. What they understood, and they didn't even have a good understanding of the afterlife or heavenly reward or these kinds of things. What they knew in their mind is long life means favor from God. That was, that was their understanding of what the reward from God means. The, the more years God gives me in my life and that I have many children and I see my children grow and grandchildren, all this is the thing that the Jewish person would desire to see this is the reward that comes from god and so god would give them this as the reward okay he would give them this as the reward but we shouldn't understand this to literally mean for us that if we honor our father and mother then god will 
extend our lifespan, right? That's not what it, what it means. It means God will give us blessing, whether those blessings are the earthly blessings uh, or the spiritual blessings or a combination of the two. There is some blessing that God gives to reward those people who honor their father and mother. Um, to the, for the opposite, we see an example in the life of Jacob. Right, Jacob was, uh, you know, in his younger age, he was a deceiver. He deceived people, okay? And, you know, he deceived his father Isaac, okay? Um, and he received the blessing from his father Isaac instead of Esau. He pretended to be his brother, uh, his, and his father was blind, and so he couldn't tell. And he gave Jacob the blessing when it really should have gone to Esau, who was the older brother, okay? He was a deceiver. So this was an example of him not honoring, you know, his father because he deceived him. What is it that Jacob said later on in his life? In Genesis 47, it says, Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. That means his, he's 130 years old. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. He's saying my life has, like when you compare my life to the life of those who came before me, my days are few and evil, Right? Like his, Jacob lived a very difficult life. He, he, he struggled for many years. And even um, later when he was older, he, he lived with um, Joseph, which he, which he believed he, he had died because his brothers told him that he had died. Like, like he, he lived with a lot of sorrow and anguish and pain. And this is what he's saying here at the end of his life in Egypt when he's speaking to Pharaoh. He's saying, my life has been very, like a lot of suffering in my life. So you can see like here there's a correlation. He did not honor Right? He did not honor his, his father. Um, and, and, and even though Jacob blessed him and gave him the blessing, which meant that it was through him that the Messiah would come, like through his lineage the Messiah would come. But if you look at his actual life, it, it was filled with a lot of suffering. What are some things that God had said about this commandment, about uh, the honoring the father and mother? So it says in Exodus 21, He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Okay? Um, like, like this, this is not the same punishment as that which was given for just cursing anyone. Right? The, the idea of just cursing someone, okay, would have a punishment. But the idea of being put to death is specifically for cursing your father and mother. Okay? Um, the death penalty also applies for the disobedient son. Right? should read our kids this verse. Um, meaning what? Disobedience is dishonor. Disobedience is dishonor. When, when the child disobeys their parents, they are dishonoring their parents because we are called to be subject to our parents because our parents have been given to us by God to raise us in the fear of God. Our parents are a big blessing to us. And that doesn't mean that the parents, everything they do is right. doesn't mean that everything they do is good. Even when not everything that they do is good, there is a great blessing that comes to us through them. This is one of the ways that God shows us love and compassion and kindness. I mean, to be able to live, to be able to survive, right, and to thrive. So to, to, to be disobedient to parents was also worthy of the death penalty. Not just actively cursing, not just striking, but just disobeying. 
says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, it doesn't mean that this is what we're supposed to do now, okay? But it's to show the, the, how important this commandment was. One of the roles of the parents to the child is they are representative of God, right? We see when we are younger, especially the father, that the children see him as like a figure that represents God. And, and how they understand the fatherhood of God is going to be understood through the lens of how they understand their father. Meaning if their father is showing them kindness and gentleness and love, they will understand God to be a God that is kind and gentle and loving. If the father is very harsh or neglecting or, or abusing, then they will also understand God in the same way. Okay, Just as the role as parents that we are supposed to have the attributes of God in dealing with our children with patience and love and firmness and rebuke and correction and all those things, so also the child's attitude toward the parent is also going to be reflective of their attitude toward God. Meaning if the child is disobedient to the parent, he will not be obedient to God, right? The, the, the idea of teaching our children to be obedient to authority, and again, like I said, the honor your father and mother is goes beyond just the father and mother itself, but anyone who has authority over us. It is very important that we teach our children to have obedience to authority, even when that authority is flawed. You know, when 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 Saint Paul speaks about how slaves should have should, should be submissive to their masters, even the masters who are harsh and critical. Why? It's not because he is supporting slavery. It's because he is teaching the spiritual principle of submission right that god places over us some authority there's some authority whether it be the governmental authority or or the authority at work or whether it be parental authority or whatever it is to learn to submit to god we have to learn to submit to whatever other authority in our life we cannot submit to god if in every other situation in our life we are um, rejecting authority because why is it that we reject authority? We reject authority because we think that we have a better way or a better understanding than the authority. Right? That's why we would reject authority. And that would apply to God just as much. Because if I learn that, 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 that idea, that if I, if I have in me that, that, that rebellious spirit toward the, the, any authority over me, then I'm definitely going to be rebellious toward God, just the same. Okay? So the authority is like representing God. That doesn't mean that everyone who is in authority is Christ-like or godly, right? But the fact that they are in authority in itself gives them some, gives us uh, the requirement to follow them as long as they are not calling us to disobey God's commandments. Okay, so this is why, whether it's coming from the parent to the child or whether coming from the child to the parent, the relationship between the two is very, very important, and it is a, it is a, a kind of like a. A place where we learn to submit to God is a place where we learn the love of God to us. So this is a good stopping point. 
Um, God willing, next time we'll continue with the fifth commandment and then maybe move on to the next one. Um, does anyone have any comments or questions before we conclude? Okay. Glo yes. Yeah, we shouldn't understand that in the literal way. We should not. Yeah, because our uh, in the New Testament, the granting of long life is not is not necessarily the the thing. It's it's not necessarily the thing that is 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 that we are looking for even. But um, God's reward to us is a spiritual reward, right? How whatever that reward looks like, there can also be physical reward. But that's really up to Him to how does He want to grant? Like I know people, for instance, who have been very very faithful like serving their parents even in illness um and 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 suffering and things like that and and they receive from god some some kind of reward some consolation some blessing you know so like um definitely it's not it's not just like we're gonna have long lifespans but our life will be enriched our life will be filled with good things just as jacob said the opposite that his life has been filled with evil right the person who honors their parents and submits to authority they should expect that their life um, that God will bless them in some way in their life okay let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit one God amen we thank you O Lord for this day we ask for your blessing and we ask O God that you keep your commandments in our heart that we might not sin against you, that we might know, O Lord, what you expect of us at all times, and that these commandments, O Lord, are for our good, to protect us and to save us and to keep us, O Lord, from danger and from suffering. We ask, O Lord, that you would bless us and that you would not count us, O Lord, according to our sins, but according to your mercy. Bless the church, O Lord, and let us be a light to the world and let people, O Lord, come and to, and to experience your salvation directly from you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the community, the gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.